Blog Talk Radio. Quarters. Security, condition three. GQ, security three, sir. General quarters three. Intruder alert. GQ three. Intruder alert. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Madam Perry's Salon. I am so happy to be here and so happy that you are, too. And because we have an excellent guest, in fact, this person is a first-time guest here, so I'm going to get to that in just a second, although most of you know exactly who it is. But first of all, first of all, I want to say thank you so much to everyone, everyone that's been listening and supporting and telling their friends and subscribing to Madam Perry's Salon. I am so grateful to you, and I truly appreciate it, because the more you subscribe, whether you subscribe on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, whatever, or um, we just subscribe so it makes it easier for you and it lets me know or lets my sponsors know when I have a sponsor how many people list, that listen so they can, I can get good sponsors. And it helps me to continue bringing you excellent guests because um, – I always say this is a podcast with more celebrities than the inauguration, and, and we had the coolest guest. And uh, recently, recently we had, um, oh, my gosh. Who, who, oh, I know, David, I've got to tell you this about David Fishoff. David Fishoff, um, you may know him. He's, a, he's one of these superstar sports and entertainment agents. He's the one that came up with the concept of the Ringo Starr all-star band and presented it to Ringo to do and he produced that for years also he created rock and roll fantasy camp and that's been going on for years now and there's uh, the next edition remember he was on a few weeks ago uh, talking about it there is one in September it's called the Judas Priest edition now it's got the members of Judas Priest but then it's also got other musicians like uh, Rudy Sarzo uh, who was the basis for Quiet Riot and Ozzy who was on the show he was here on Madame Perry Salon I think back in January or December um, plus his brother Robert Sarzo also a uh, great guitarist Rudy's a bass and then several other musicians that will act as coaches so if you go to the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp you'll have not only Judas Priest but these other people to help you help coach you through uh, working and uh, preparing your performance because you'll be performing live there in Hollywood. And David Fishoff said anyone who registers for and attends the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp Judas Priest Edition in September and says they heard about it from Madam Perry will get a free guitar valued at $700. He didn't tell me what kind. So he just said it'll be a free guitar. All you have to do is say that Madam Perry sent you when you sign up. And I think that's extremely generous of him. Also, uh, we had uh, Julie Slick on. And, you know, she's the bassist with 
Adrian Ballou, but then she also uh, does the two of a perfect pair. All the King Crimson friends uh, know this. Um, excuse me, three of a perfect pair and the Crimson Project uh, with, of course, bass player Prague bass player extraordinaire. Tony Levin, and uh, Julie is so much fun. Another Julie is Julie Sharp. She's a comedian and MC actress in Australia, in Melbourne. Julie is a riot, and especially, though, if you go on, you know, I posted some of her videos of different characters she does when she does comedy clubs. Uh, one is Sarah Pax, who's supposed to be the, the, love, uh, the drug sponge, the lovable love child of... Uh, Amy Winehouse and Ozzy Osbourne, and she is the funniest woman. In fact, she was on, I think, about a month, uh, no, about three weeks ago, and now this past week, uh, I've had, just in a couple of days, I had over 400 more downloads of her show, and also her husband, Anthony Sharp, and you may know him. He was in the, the U.S. earlier this year. A lot of people know her husband, Anthony, who's a musician and an actor, uh, from a TV series called Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries that you might see on PBS or something takes place in the 1920s and he plays Cease on Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. He was here for the Miss Fisher Con in Vegas and uh, his show is before her both. Just the funniest people. Coming soon. Coming soon though. We're going to have tomorrow night He's been here before, and uh, we got him again tomorrow night. Michael Fleeman. Michael Fleeman is a true crime journalist and true crime author. He's got uh, at least a dozen books. He's had two out this year. Uh, the one he came to talk to us about back in February it was about the Rusty Snyderman murder, which happened right here in Atlanta, Georgia. And tomorrow night he's talking about his newest book, The Black widower and it's about a man in Colorado who had two wives that this that, that that died from mysterious bizarre freak accidents um away from anybody so there were no witnesses and he happened to have some pretty healthy life insurance accounts on them and uh so this the suspicion was well, it's like winning the lottery twice how could that happen so uh of course he's on death row now and also there's a new tv channel called escape and michael fleeman's on a new show there called deep undercover he's done a lot of true crime tv but he'll be a regular on deep undercover as well and also coming up later lita ford uh the first female shredder guitarist uh queen of metal you knew her, first of all, from The Runaways. Remember The Runaways? And I think she and Joan Jett were the big stars to come from that band. And uh, now she's just the Joan. She's got the um, the Lita Ford band, and she's touring again. You know, she dropped out of the business for about 10 or 15 years while she was raising children. And uh, so she's back again. And we've got Lita Ford coming on in just a few weeks. I'll let you know. But tonight, I am so excited to have this author on. Uh, she's a rather fascinating lady. Uh, <laughs> she's not only a best-selling author, she is an editor and journalist. And as I was talking about her also, um, she's, there's a lot of people I know, especially some of my friends, uh, my friend Ann Guilfoyle, very, very enamored of, a collector of sea glass. And I don't know, Mary might laugh at the way I put this. I don't really know the vernacular of that culture, but I said she's a pretty big deal in the world of sea glass. Um, she's even got a listing on Facebook about the Welcome to the Sea Glass Festival. She posted that on August 12th, uh, beachcombing and sea glass people for the sea glass festival season. So maybe we'll find out about her. But you think she's such a lovely lady, and uh, but she's got these books. Honey, this is the Scarlet... Letter Society, The Scarlet Letter Scandal, 
let me tell you, this is this, this book should be written in asbestos, and it's not like filthy smut, but it's just <laughs> smoking hot. So welcome to Madam Perry's Salon, author Mary T. McCarthy. Come on in, Mary. Sit down. Get a cushy seat. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you inviting me, and it's it's just lovely to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm del- I'm delighted you have time. You're you're rather busy. So. Um, <laughs> So, I got your. I've I first learned about you from Book Expo, and then oh. began learning more about you and your writing and work. And uh, I read the first book, and right now I've just about finished the Scarlet Letter scandal. Don't worry, I'm not going to give away any secrets. Even though I think in my promos <laughs> it says, "Imagine finding a a secret." Un- uh, I don't know how to be popular, but secret underground swingers club right in your subdivision. Right. Well, I think it happens around us more more than people think. <laughs> Definitely, it's um, kind of a more 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 and more next door neighbor um, homes than people might imagine. Well, you know, I believe it because a friend of mine, um, uh, a friend of mine was visiting family, and uh, I believe in Chicago, and she said she was gone to the library or in a little town outside of Chicago, she'd gone to the library for something, and she begins to overhear some women at a, a, a table next to her is talking, and so quiet she starts, you know, kind of eavesdropping, you know, and she realizes they're talking about their own little club, a little swingers club, and one family happens to be moving out of town, and they're wondering who were they, who could they approach to, to uh, fill that spot, so to speak. And uh, they come up, how about this? Oh, I don't know about them. Well, what about this? Well, yeah, well, I like him, but not her. You know, that kind of thing. I thought, well, there's a lot oh more God. to consider than one would imagine. So then tell me. <laughs> so, so yeah, you're exactly right. I know you are. Um, so tell me about uh, the Scarlet Letter Society, the, the friends Maggie, Lisa, and Eva. Uh, these, uh, they're good friends, and they get together and discuss their – well, you, you tell us how it starts. Okay, so The Scarlet Letter Society, which is the first book, is um, about a little kind of coffee class of women who get together once a month to discuss the affairs that they're having. And they sort of um, have these little gatherings in a coffee coffee shop, and they're talking about um, the affair, you know, the sort of extramarital, extramarital affairs that they're having. And they also discuss historical um, literature about women who are, are having affairs. So they read all the books throughout time of um, women and when they're, they're sad, you know, the sad state of affairs, so to speak, of what happens to these women through, and throughout history. Uh, you know, God, God forbid, you know, men, men have affairs and they have mistresses and everything's fine. But if a woman, if a woman does, she's usually either, you know, beheaded or she surrounds in the ocean or something horrible happens to her. Um, and so that, that the first book is about this group of women coming together to discuss their experiences and then the second book, um, The Scarlet Letter Scandal, is it, well, I sold the first book and as a single novel. Like, I've been a nonfiction writer my whole life, and I've been a journalist, a newspaper, a magazine um, columnist, and editor. And I had no intention of it being anything more than just a one-time novel. It was just like, what happened was every time I would meet someone mm-hmm. and tell them I was a writer, they would say, oh, well, have you ever written a novel? And I would, I would always feel sort of guilty, like, no, I'm sorry, I, I only write magazine and newspaper articles. But, and then after a while, I was like, well, I'm just going to write a novel so that everyone, so I can be like, why, yes, I've written, also written a novel. <laughs> so they really be, be 
answer to that. And so it was like, I'm going to go outside my comfort zone and write a novel just so I can say I did. But when I sold the novel, the um, publisher bought a two-book deal. And, I mean, I, I, I asked him, I, I looked to them, and when I sat down in New York to sign the contract, and I said, well, what's the other book? You know, that you're buying. <laughs> he was like, well, I don't know. I'm signing you for a two-book deal. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to write another one now. <laughs> so it ended up being, you know, it ended up being not only not only the sequel, but it turned into a trilogy. And so the, the Scarlet Letter Storm is the completion of the trilogy with the same characters and everything. But the Scarlet Letter Scandal, which is about the, the underground swingers club in this suburban neighborhood, was actually based on actual events in the town that I live in, in a, on the eastern shore in Mar- here in Maryland. Um, and it was based on an actual swingers um, club in a suburban subdivision near where I live that I would go to baseball. I'm the baseball manager for, like, my son's team, and these women would talk about their neighborhood and the swingers club that was there, and I was absolutely floored by the fact that that they would say, well, if you have a, a landscaping rock at the end of your driveway, that means that you are a swinger, and I was like, are you, like, serious? And and more and more I would hear about this, and I was just absolutely, you know, astounded that this was going on in the in this little cookie-cutter, you know, vinyl-sided neighborhood. So I took the inspiration from that. And, of course, I would, like, interview, the, especially the women um, who weren't in the Swingers Club, but I actually got to know a couple of them who were also and found out and had to do, you know, some research into what was going on there with the, the swinger parties. And it was pretty wild, but a lot of the real life uh, situations of what was going on there are, are things that happened in the book. So they were def- the book was definitely inspired by real events <laughs> of what was going on over there. So, and, and, you know, and then, of course, it's easy to go online and find out about these swingers clubs and the very strict rules that go on in them. And it's a whole, it's a lifestyle that is very, very prevalent in our country and um, accepted by many. So it was um, interesting to find out how that, that lifestyle operates, for sure. I'll bet. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I can imagine it was really a surprise to you and then, you know, then, then to, to find the, the prevalence of it. And uh, that had to be like an, an adventure all its own. Like you were just kind of like eavesdropping <laughs> on the secret world but getting the scoop on it, right? It definitely <laughs> was. And I had a, I had a friend um, take me to a swingers club in Baltimore City, which is um, – close by and as a guest you know the the owners of the club let me come and tour the club and um i visited there's there's several levels in the club like one where the actual um rooms are like the themed rooms where the actual like kind of activities take place but then you can just be on the social floor where you can just kind of hang out and <laughs> innocently the activities observe. <laughs> yeah like the themed rooms where there's like Bouncers and windows and curtains, and you decide whether to watch or whether people can watch you and all this crazy stuff. The downstairs, I toured that, but when um, the club was actually open, I toured it before the club opened. Um, but while the club was open, oh. I stayed on like the social floor where you're just like there's like the bar and there's the dance floor, and then there is like you know there's like um, kind of like cages and stuff. And um, I did have some some like strippers who were teaching me how to like dance on the pole and stuff, but that was kind of fun. <laughs> So it was Ooh. an interesting evening. <laughs> it was an interesting evening. I had to like try. I had to try on their shoes, and like my calves were killing me for like two weeks. <laughs> but it was it was oh, fun. It was a good time. Because, but I definitely did. I didn't partake in these downstairs like activity rooms. <laughs> but it was hey, interesting to judge, see the whole but, culture. <laughs> but the truth. 
try to, but to try the shoes and to try the pole and the ex- and all that stuff and the stripper moves. I mean, that's being true to your art, you know. Oh, I was just. You wanted I'm, to I'm give us. I'm a journalist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was. Lot- <laughs> but, you know, I don't have the apps for that. You have to have. I give them a lot of props for what they do. You have to have some some hardcore apps for <laughs> for that. I definitely did, oh, did yeah. not have. <laughs> Yes, it was it was an interesting oh, evening no, for sure. A, <laughs> yeah, I've got a lot of friends that do burlesque and stuff, and then the people that do all those the um, the the big hoops and the you know the the big round hoops that are the the aerial work and uh, Lyra, I believe it's called. Again, yeah, that's quite a discipline. It's more than just you know putting on something flashy and taking it off for sure. No, there's uh, a there's a level of athleticism music, in yeah. there. Yeah, for sure. It's what was the most surprising thing about the um, okay with the part with like the the, the dancers strippers the or learning style. all that? What was pardon? Um, well, the, the, you mean the lifestyle of like the club and everything and the, the well, swinger lifestyle? Or well, I was thinking. I guess I was, well, first of all, I guess with the with the pole, like you said, you know, the fact that there is some athleticism involved and and oh, I guess that would be itself? you know much more. Yeah, yeah. It's just like going and, and, and like actually, and then, go ahead. Like elevating yourself, like learning to actually dance on the pole and stuff. Well, I couldn't. I mean, it did yeah. make it look easy. It looks easy. Like when you see like a movie of like a stripper and stuff. And I mean, I I, I just I left on my totally not sexy sort of gap dress that I was wearing. I was I was not appropriately dressed <laughs> for the pole at all. And I, like I said, I had to borrow the shoes because I didn't. The girl was like you can't wear those shoes, you'll have to borrow mine. And I was like, oh, okay, you know. So I had to borrow her shoes. And just putting the shoes on, I was like, I can't stand in these. And, and she's like, that's what the pole's, you know, the pole's here to support you. And I was like, okay. It sounded like some kind of slogan and like Strippers Anonymous. Like, you know, the Strippers Anonymous are here. Like, the pole's here to support you. I was like, okay. So, you know, like holding on to the pole. And... <laughs> Because God knows I couldn't have walked two, two feet without the pole. So I'm kind of clutching onto the pole, and she's, like, telling me, you know, if you put your hands over your head, I'm like, what am I supposed to do with my hands? Just like, put them over your head. I'm like, okay. But actually working, like, your, even to move up and down the pole without doing anything crazy, like trying to go sideways on it or doing just physically moving yourself up and down the pole. If you don't have good ab muscles, which I don't, I mean, I'm a kayaker, right? so I have like some arm muscles, but I don't have any ab muscles. No oh, ab yeah. muscles whatsoever. Just moving your body up and down the pole. I was like, how? I I have no ability to do. I was like, oh my god. So I'm kind of trying to use my my arms to like kind of like pathetically pull myself climbing up the pole like this. Oh, it was just. And of course, I would only do one. Song. I was like, I can only do this to one song. There's only one song I know how to be a stripper to, and it's Pour Some Sugar on Me by Def Leppard. So you're gonna have to play that. And then like the DJ, the DJ. <laughs> Because that was, like, my, my 80s go-to. Like, if I was ever a stripper, that's the song I would I would know how to be a stripper to somehow from the 80s. To the 80s. And so the DJ was, like, the DJ was, like, he kind of looked at me, like, that's not the kind of music we play here. And I'm, like, I don't, you're going to have to look it up or something because I don't think I can do this without it. And so he played like this, if you can even imagine, like an EDM, like dance remix to pour some sugar on me. I didn't even recognize it when it came on, but I just sort of did, I just, I just did the best I could. (laughs) 
funny. Oh, it was that's funny. funny. <laughs> it was funny. And my friend, luckily I had a friendly face in the crowd. Like my friend who I'm, you know, friends with, who is, belongs to a member of the club, she was just cracking up the whole time. So luckily, you know, that was happening. And I had a couple drinks before this. So it was pretty, it was <laughs> I haven't been back. I don't know if I'd be welcome. But I don't think I'd be welcome back there. I had like this journalist one night pass, pretty much <laughs> show up in a place. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was good times. Every, you know what? Every this, woman this should like be able to have be a stripper for a night. Everybody should be able to be a pretend fake stripper for a night and try it out because it is a lot of fun. <laughs> class in, in uh, the exotic dancing. I went to this uh, uh, yoga and aerobics. and Oh, gosh, yes. I think yeah, it would be totally definitely. fun. I would love that. And where there's no people watching and stuff and you're just doing it in normal clothes and having fun, I think that would be great. I mean, and this was, you know, a bunch of women, I think most of us had never met, but, you know, just all kinds of women, and we were just having fun with it, you know. And we were, um, that sounds fun. Yeah, yeah, great. So it sounds like you know, but like, okay, here's what I love, Mary. You're telling this story about doing your your research and your background for it, and going in there and all the things that you learn, like the shoes and the support here to support you, and uh, the poll your support group or your support poll, and then about the music, and they don't know the music, and then I so they give like a dance EDM remix version, whatever, you know, that's almost unrecognizable to would to even Def Leppard, I'm sure, and um, all through this, and you know what it makes me think of is like you know how sometimes there'll be um, a movie or a show or whatever, and then they'll have like a different thing like the making of behind the scenes. Yeah. So this sounds like a like a whole other uh, book or TV show, the making of the Scarlet Letter <laughs> Society. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. or remember that behind the music, MTV's behind the music or something. You know, all the backstories right. of how everything got to happen. Because like that's entertainment in itself to me. The fu- it was a pretty funny. It was a funny night, and definitely it would actually be fun to write. You know, kind of the nonfiction version of how that whole thing even came to be because it was really kind of outside of my comfort zone, the writing of all of that. Um, and so I had to, like, then when I wrote, you know, Scandal, I had to, when I wrote Storm, the third book, it has it has um, BDSM dominatrix porn in it. And I was like, talk about being outside my comfort zone again. I really had to do research that was... <laughs> So yeah, you're right. I mean, it's kind of the making, the making of all of it. But yeah, I mean, definitely Joe Elliott, the lead singer of of uh, Def Leppard, would would absolutely puke if he heard that version of "Pour Some Sugar on Me" for sure. But yeah, you're absolutely right. That I think it's always important to find the humor in every situation, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's what I did. That's what I did in the past. Is that being a humor columnist is what I what I did for my whole career. I mean, I had quite contrary was the name of my newspaper column. Um, the first thing I ever wrote for a newspaper because my name's Mary, the column was called quite contrary, but writing humor is kind of what that's, that is what my, my comfort zone is. So writing a humor piece about learning to be a stripper is so much more what I'm comfortable with than writing 
a romance novel. So actually, you know, when you talk about my writing career, writing a small piece about finding the humor in a situation is so much more what I'm comfortable with than writing, um, writing a novel. I was terrified. I was like, how many words does this have to be? Because, you know, what, usually I write a piece, like an article or a column, but all I could think of with the novel was like, I, I was Googling, like, what's the minimum word count for a novel? And I was like, okay, 60,000, that's the minimum. And I'm like, okay, 60,000 it is. And so every day it was like, how many words do I need to write to get to 60,000? And it was definitely a challenge. It was a definite challenge for me. And then to have to do it three times was like, oh, my gosh. So definitely, um, I'm definitely happy, happy to be back to shorter term. I'm now writing for um, – and to be, I'm a contributing editor and, and feature writer and columnist for Glassing Magazine, which is a sea glass magazine. And that is definitely um, an, an easier task for me than writing novels, for sure. Definitely. Oh, okay. Is it now? So, yes. Uh, well, yes, it you is. Uncovered you have an uncovered Being a beach bum. I can write about that a lot, a lot more easily, for sure. Okay. All right. You ever found any any uh, uh, any erotic or not sorted underworld of the sea glass community? I'm not going to say anything. If you do, Actually, though, I, I, I want. Did, um, I did. I, I, was on, I was on a beach in New, I was on a beach in New York a couple of weeks ago, and I found a piece that just had sex that said sex. Like it was a piece of glass, and it it was it said sex on it. So I I um, messaged it out. I didn't like do a permanent post on Instagram, but I did one of the story posts, and I did like an artsy shot where it just said sex, and it was like had the sun behind it and stuff. And I was like. And I just said dot, dot, dot on the beach. And like the piece said sex. It was like finding, you know, sex on the beach. So it was just kind of a funny. And it was, there was an old bottle that was, I think it was a bleach called Rosex or something. But the way the piece had broken, the letter sex or what was on the piece that I picked up. And I just thought it was funny because it made me think of like sex on the beach, the drink, you know. So I just thought it was, it was kind of funny. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Overlay. Okay. You know how <laughs> how how um, how long did it take you to write the three books? I mean, um, how much time has been in research, and and how long did it take? Yeah, or each book? Yes. Um, I took I took six months to write the first novel. Um, it was uh, June to December of 2012 that I wrote the first one. Um, and then I I think it was right around six. Um, between three and six months for each of the novels. So um, there was like a challenge on Twitter. There's this thing called 1K1HR, like it's a hashtag. And when I was writing the novels, I, I worked on that hashtag because writing a novel is a super lonely thing. You kind of go off to, uh, in my case, like a little cottage on an island where there's a job written, and you just kind of go and get into this like space where you have to really buckle down and, and do nothing else. And um, there's a hashtag called 1K1HR and other writers that are around the world working on a, a long manuscript um, use that hashtag. And it's basically where you unplug from everything and you try to get a thousand words done in an hour. And that really helped me for all three novels. Um, and yeah, everybody at the top of the hour says they're, they're checking in on a 1K1HR and it means, you know, I'm going to try to get a thousand words done in an hour. I'm going to check back in after this hour and we'll all report on how many words we got done. And it's kind of a social media way for everybody to, you know, kind of document that you're unplugging, you're working on a manuscript, and then you're going to come back and you'll be accountable for that hour for how many words you got done. And I don't know why that helped, that helped me, but it just helped me to be really focused for like one hour at a time. I think because I'm 
kind of adult, undiagnosed adult ADHD, and I get distracted by things easily. So for me to be really focused and to have to come back in an hour and say how many words I did was really helpful. So I used that for all three novels. It helped me get through all three novels because I had to break them down that way, like 60,000 divided by how many hours of how many, you know, thousand words an hour that I have to do to get them done. So that helps me a lot. Yeah. That is amazing. I had not heard of that, uh, the 1K1HR, but it sounds fantastic. And, and you know, even though I always tell people, because, you know, I'm an entertainment publicist, and what I tell uh, clients about how they have to uh, just make their, their word, their, you know, their name, their brand, their their titles, their music songs, it has to be practically ubiquitous because I said, well, you know, we live in a short attention span world. Uh, but it's mm-hmm. because sometimes it's not that people don't care, but there's also, you know, whether you, whether you have adult, yeah, diagnosed adult ADHD or not, there are so many things competing for your attention all the time. Right, and you have to unplug, you know, and that's kind you. of a way to do that. It's like a definite way where you're committing to unplug for one hour to do one very focused task. So as a writer, I think that can be really helpful. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even in a restaurant, you know, there's music and there's TV screens all around and different things. And wherever you go, you know, there's always something just to get attention. So uh, just to totally unplug, that's, that's, that's brilliant. It's like a very, it's a disciplined way, but, but it's doable. Right. Yeah, it's just, just, just one hour. For one like, hour. Right. Right. Yeah. So then this, oh, by the way, if you're listening live tonight, Monday, August 21st, I'm talking to Mary T. McCarthy, author of The Scarlet Letter Society, The Scarlet Letter Scandal, and The Scarlet Letter Storm. And you can call and talk to us or talk to Mary at 646 646- 716-9922. That's 646-716-9922. That's toll-free in the continental U.S. And she will be giving away a book tonight for to a caller, so you better get your name in. Get your name in now. Uh, this is so much fun. When Talk about, okay, so first, so in the Scarlet Letter Society, let me go back, the three friends, uh, Maggie, Lisa, and Eva, they get together and talk about their um, their liaisons, their affairs, side of work, and um, then in Scarlet Letter Scandal, it's when they find, you know, there's a, there's a swingers club in the neighborhood, and somebody is on to it or has, has leaked some information about it, uh, so um, there is this one thing, I don't know if it's okay for me to read, if you had a passage that you wanted to read, I would love to have you do it. But there is something in here that to me was so funny. I read this thing, I think, a couple of times. It just made me laugh. It's the chapter, it's the part where, um, uh, let's see, Chaz's wife, Jeannie, she mm-hmm. sees his this piece of paper on the floor in his office. It's a memo. And she says she sees the word Uh-oh. memo in large letters on a sheet of paper. <laughs> and she sees it's with a homeowners association. So she oh, figures yeah. it's something she's already seen or missed. I started to read, that is hilarious. <laughs> Do you have it? Why don't you read from it? Because I don't have any copies of my book with me. <laughs> So if you have it, I would okay. love to have you. I like, you have so much of a better accent than I do. I'd love to hear you read it instead. <laughs> oh, I've got, no, like, no, no, no. See, and I was, boring. You go, I was going to ask if you could understand my southern accent. Okay. So it's okay. Gonna, I won't read the whole thing. 
probably because it's you, uh you go ahead and choose uh, choose a passage. <laughs> I, I'll read some of it. I'll I'll just read part of it because I I won't it's be able to get through it all that, but it's, it. and it's uh that long. Do you do cursors on yourself? Oh, okay, okay. Uh, sometimes we do, yeah. And I can, I can also, you know, tag it if it's if it's going to have you curse words, beep them. so that people know. Okay. Yes. Or right. no, we don't. If it's if it's a grown up, then they, we'll put the rating on it, and then people can know. And say, hey, it had it. a rating. You know, don't be shocked. Yes. That's okay. Right. So to memo, <laughs> um, she figured it was something she'd already seen and something she somehow missed. So she began reading memo to Stony Hill Homeowners Association Executive Board from Chaz Appleton, President. Confidential, dear board. I'm writing this memo in response to last night's meeting. None of us could have anticipated Ed Smith's outburst about the camper parked on his street. It's not the association's fault Smith's daughter brought that hippie piece of shit on wheels home from dropping out of college, nor that she has two of her pot-smoking, wastoid pals living in there. It sure as hell doesn't mean we put the ass in association, as he suggested. Takes one to know one, prick. But let me go on record as saying I did not support Jeff. Thompson using the word ass much and punching Ed in the pie hole. The whole thing got way out of control. I've been saying all along, we shouldn't be starting meetings after the case of beer is gone. Hell, I don't even remember how I got this shiner on my eye. The thing is, we live in a so-called community created by a developer who tore down the actual fucking stone mill and then named the neighborhood after it. I wouldn't be surprised if we all start getting haunting by the Indian remains probably buried underneath our basketball sets like in fucking poltergeist. The bulldozing bastard built our houses out of crap. This damn place is like a real-life Three Little Pigs nursery rhyme. And God help us if a strong windstorm huffs and puffs because we all know that shit will blow our houses down in a hot minute. So what are we going to do about it? Probably nothing. We're all over-mortgaged to our goddamn eyeballs underwater and unable to sell in a shitty market. Foobar. And did you know there are more houses in this neighborhood that are in foreclosure than aren't? That's the kind of important shit we should be talking about at meetings, not some Second illegal flower beds being used to deny someone's pool pass. No offense to your wife, Marilyn Roberts, Judd, and her fantastic efforts with the landscaping committee. Maybe if the whole camper discussion hadn't escalated into a visit from the motherfucking rent-a-cops, we could have discussed the painkiller deals going down at our playground. Those of us who wanted a lock gate put around that place are trying not to say, I told you so, but... The prescription medication epidemic in our community is something that's only getting worse. We'll talk about our damn kids using drugs when half of us are popping pills faster than a grunge kid at a Nirvana concert in the 90s. Shit, I bet those 90s kids didn't even do half this shit. And it goes on. But I just think that it just gets funnier and funnier. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I had a lot of fun writing that, and you know, I have. It's a funny. There's a funny story about that piece that you just read. That I actually wrote that as an independent essay, totally not not having anything to do with the novel separately. And long before I wrote the novel, I wrote it as an independent piece, and it was rejected. And I kept it in my computer, and I was like, you know, someday I'm going to publish this. I don't know where or when, but I'll publish it somewhere. And it had nothing to do with the novel. But when I wrote the novel, I I decided hey, 
this is my novel, and I'm going to put this in here. And so I put it in because, of course, because it was about a subdivision. So I decided to incorporate it into the novel, even though it had been written far, far earlier. Um, so it was kind of interesting. Um, but it basically, when I wrote it, it was just supposed to be kind of the quintessential, like, essence of like what goes on inside a subdivision um and it's it's funny because when i did a, a book or a reading at the neighborhood i live in that's the piece i read they asked me to do a reading and i, I read that one because i was like well it's not like i'm going to go read you know a sex scene in front of the women that live in the neighborhood where the swingers club is so i was like what am i going to read you know so and that was the piece yeah, i did the reading of Somebody yeah, I didn't want them to be like swirling yeah. around, and I don't know if the swinger thing's still going on. It can be kind of awkward. So, uh, but a lot of them, a lot of them had moved, but a lot of them did come to the book signing. And I was like thinking, I think they were hoping I was going to like start giving out real names or something because people had asked me like every time I would go into one of my kids' schools, they'd be like, "So is," and they would ask me a character name, and they'd ask me who it really was, and I'm like, "Well, I'm not gonna." I, I'm not going to come in here and be like, oh, well, of course, so-and-so is so-and-so. Like, I'm going to start dropping the real names. Of, I'm like, like it says in the beginning, sure. all, this, is a, this is a work of fiction. <laughs> and nobody's, you know, nobody's based on real people. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so, it's all loosely so based, you know, yeah, loosely based. Loosely, loosely, loosely on you, loose yeah. people. So, uh, yeah, especially the line further in this in this uh, homeowner's memo that says, "My wife says our neighbor asked that I address the alleged swingers club." Did someone say panty cam? Issue in the memo. But Jesus Christ, this thing is going to turn into a fucking novel. So now I see you put that in there. It's like, okay, you've got all these little undercurrents of little little asides and, and hidden jokes and stuff. And uh, yeah, you know, I think that's what cam, makes the panty cam was real. That was actually real. That was a real detail. It's funny because, you know, another funny story is that when my um, publisher read it, he was like, I just don't think some of the things are going to be like realistic, like things like, you know, a stripper pole in the garage or like a panty cam where they walk across the doorway and there's oh, a panty please. cam looking up their skirt. And I'm like, actually, those are actually really real. <laughs> that, I didn't even make that shit up. <laughs> and he was like, oh, See, my God, really? Not... And I'm like, no, really, really. This happened in the subdivision for real. <laughs> so it's they funny that the things that he said. Fiction? Yeah, I know. That's what out to tell me that he thought I were too much of a stretch that I had made up were the things that were real. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> I'm like, no, I didn't even have to make this stuff up. I didn't even make, I'm a nonfiction writer, remember? I didn't even make this stuff up. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm just reporting it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, gosh. I guess some people, some people look, you know, they're trying to find a name or trying to figure something out, you know, like you're not going to be clever enough to really disguise it. You know, like somebody yeah, sent I'm me a book a once. They, I'm, um, not, I'm not a fiction writer. I didn't, yeah. I didn't, oh, you're I didn't that good. To. Oh, gosh. You're but a good I mean, writer. I mean, you're not going to, but you're not yeah, going to really give anything away. Rolling. I mean, you're, I'm you're smooth. I didn't have to make up a lot of fantasy and, uh, and uh, you know, crazy, um, crazy fiction here. The, the truth was all there for the taking. <laughs> yeah, but it was interesting. It was definitely an interesting, interesting process. To, um, and and it was the cases of the the feminine leads, like the female leads. I know in the case of one of the characters, um, her her personality was cl- closely based on a friend of mine, and uh, 
when I asked her after she read the book, not knowing, of course, that she was the personality of the character was based on my friend, I asked her what she thought of it after she read it. She was like, oh, my God, I really like Lisa. And I was like, oh, yeah, do you like her? And she's like, yeah, she, what a great character. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I'm just kind of, like, laughing to myself because, like, <laughs> her personality was so based just her, the essence of her. Not that she looked like her or that she really sounded like her or was the same, you know, kind of career or anything like that, but just her essence. You know, you kind of have the essence of somebody. But she was just in love with uh-huh. Lisa. And I just thought it was so funny, you know, that she was so closely based, you know, on her essence. And she was like, yeah, but what I, what I really wish would happen to her in the second book is, and, you know, she said what she hoped would happen. And then in the second book, that did happen. And then when she read the second book, I was like, what do you think about what happened to Lisa? And she's like, oh, my God, thank God that, you know, that happened to Lisa. I was just, like, cracking up the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> there's a there's a great saying about writers like um it's on a mug and it's like um what is it uh, um something about a writer will put you in a book and kill you be careful what you say to a writer so don't piss off a writer or she'll put you in a book and kill you or something like that and I'm like god that's so true <laughs> you know <laughs> it's a, I forget the exact yeah. phrasing but it's something to the effect of be careful what you do to a writer because she will put you in a book and kill you <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I did read a, a rather interesting, and I'm not going to say what it is, I'm not going to ask you to say what it is, but a rather bizarre death in this book. And uh, But it's oh, the kind God. of thing that, you know, I, I'm not going to say it, let's not talk about it, I want to give it away, but I read a lot of true crime, plus my first husband was a homicide uh, investigator. So, you know, sometimes things just happen that are just I know, bizarre. It's just a little, yeah. yeah. Gosh, that was kind of weird to write, right? So, that was, like, the first time I had to ever, you know, kill, like, someone in a book. And I was like, wow, this is, like, weird. How am I, you know, how am I going to do it? And, yeah, that was that was an interesting challenge. Yeah. I probably I didn't mean to bring much, the energy down, so... Yeah. <laughs> Stephen King, Stephen King is my favorite writer. Let me, let me just say Stephen King is my favorite writer, so I probably had a little bit of fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Now that makes much, yeah, that makes more sense because I was going to say the other side of that death, even though sad, was that it, it should remind us all if you read that scene, anything that you don't want anybody to see or know about in your life, you should go ahead and have it secured away because you never know when something's going to happen and your secret <laughs> is out. You know, somebody's right. going to find some kind of shoes or something. So you <laughs> never know. <laughs> I know, that's true. That's good advice. Yeah, absolutely. Oh gosh! Well, it was fun. It was a, it was an interesting journey. How bad? Uh, it sounds like it is so far. Like it's going to continue to be. So, what's it like when you go to to uh, book signings? I mean, I would imagine if you're somewhere like in a a bookstore, mm-hmm. um, what kind of you know what kind of people come and what kind of questions do they ask you? You know, I love going to do like, they read? Do they signings where? Yeah, like it's kind of like a, almost like a girlfriend kind of event because it's usually women who are around my age, like kind of 30s, 40s, 50s, and who have read the book. And, and it's it's always nice to have um, the, the feedback that um, 
that women enjoy reading like strong female characters because I think in a lot of romance type situations, it's very male dominated. And in all of my books, the women are kind of empowered, um, especially, um, you know, sexually and romantically. Um, they're definitely the ones that are in control of their destinies, um, both in and outside the bedroom. So, and that seems to be a, a different than what a lot of the majority of some of the erotica and chiclet, if you will. This is a little bit beyond chiclet, but it's not like full kind of crazy erotica. It's kind of in the middle. Um, so it's not like a traditional romance, um, but my novels are kind of um, in almost a category of their own in terms of they don't really fit into like a, a specific genre. Um, but in terms of um, what's available for women to read, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different and outside of kind of some of the standard um, categories that books usually fall into. So um, a lot of times people are, are happy to find something kind of that's a little bit different than what they're used to. It's not a traditional like kind of cowboy romance where like you <laughs> predictably know that the cowboy gets the girl <laughs> oh, yeah. type thing. <laughs> but then it's yeah, not yeah, like yeah. chiclet where it's like the girlfriend, the cute girl gets the cute boyfriend. It's it's these, you know, very strong women characters. and and to And to broach the subject of women who are having affairs for different reasons is something that's not traditionally covered in standard um, literature either. So um, it's something a little bit different. And um, so it's had, it's had some interesting, um, I, I, I enjoy doing book, um, book signings because it's always nice to meet readers um, in person. And so much of what we do as writers is so isolated and I'm, I'm on my own so much and spend so much time alone that it is, you know, always good to connect with readers for sure. Oh yeah, I bet. So I guess you probably get a lot of feedback that um, um, from from t- talking to people or from you know meeting people face to face like that or in a group that um, I would think that it would just encourage you to do more because I'm sure I know these books are very popular and your style of writing. Yeah, I think that's what I like. I don't like romance books because anytime I've ever read one, somebody says, "Well, check this out, read it, whatever," to review it. There, the the formula, it's the same formula. You know, like there, yeah. there's two formulas that everyone uses, and I don't like that. But this is it's no it's no formula I've ever seen, and no. it's got substance and it's got wit. It's it's got um, it's got erotica that I like. You know, it's got everything, but it's so funny. So you've got everything. You've got sex and you got laughs and. Oh, oh. thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and no, because I'm, we appreciate it. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. And I'm totally not. I, I've got some bad news for you. No, I'm not, at the moment, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm in retirement. I'm not I'm definitely not in retirement as a writer. I think once you're a writer, you're forever a writer. And I've been a writer since I was a little girl. I wanted to grow up and be a writer. So I'll never not be a writer. But from that from that genre, I would say I'm on like um uh, at least a hiatus, if not in full retirement. Like I did the three novels, and now I'm working on a becoming memoir. So I'm working, but I'm working in the in the um back in the nonfiction category that I'm familiar with. And I think um everything I do will always I'd have a hard time not being in interjecting some amount of humor into the work that I'm I'm doing. But um that. Um, the fiction side of it was tough for me because it's not what I normally do. But um, kind of writing about and working in my in my hobby and beachcombing and sea glass hunting, 
Um, I mean, I'm on the board of directors now for the North American Sea Glass Association and I'm the education chair. So working in, and going, traveling around the country doing um, lectures at sea glass shows and stuff like that and working, um, and that makes me really happy. So I've been doing that now for a while and I absolutely love it. So it's kind of turning my hobby into something that I do a lot of time um, has made me um, really enjoy, um, you know, being able to be kind of like um, – I'm not a professional beach bum exactly because that sounds kind of ridiculous, but getting <laughs> being able to get paid to do what I love and working on the book and working on the magazine, the glassing magazine, which is so wonderful. Um, I've really enjoyed that. So I'm doing that for now. And, but I am, and I also started a company called Secret, which is um, a business where, you know, the um, subscription box company where people get like a thing of the month, like the jelly of the month club and, and, and Christmas, um, Christmas vacation with like Clark, Clark Rizal talks about like getting the jelly of the month club thing. Um, I do um, like sea, a sea glass club where people can get like ocean treats every month and it's called sea crate. And so I did that because I was mailing a lot of sea glass to people in different places because they couldn't get it where they live. And so I kind of started a company called sea crate and um, I enjoy being able to share beach finds with people. So um, I started that because I just was meeting so many people at all these conferences around the country and kind of wanted a way to be able to share beach finds with them. So I've been, um, this, I, I just did three months so far of, of the subscription company. You know, CreateJoy, it's com where you can kind of go and pick out any subscription to literally anything like chocolate of the month and wine of the month. And, and I have the ocean yeah. thing called Secret. Yeah, so it's called Secret. And it's been a lot of fun, and I've been doing that. So that's been a lot of fun for me. And I enjoy, um, you know, being able to pick out really cool, like, mermaid-themed stuff and nautical stuff for people. And so that's been that's been really great. And I love um meeting people at the um, conferences and teaching them about different aspects of um, our, what we find on the beach. Cause I'm so fascinated by the history of it. You know, like when we pick up something on the beach that can be a hundred years old or, you know, what did it come from? And um, being able to research that and stuff is something that I just absolutely love. So um, I've always been a fan of old things and old, um, I used to do like house history research for the Maryland um, state survey. I used to do like old house research and stuff. So I have a real passion for old things and even when you read my books you kind of always find well the fact that they read all the old books on you know women historically and um I kind of have a love for history so um I'm kind of like I think it's that adult ADHD thing that I have that I just kind of always like what comes next or what am I going to do next and there's always what's around the bend that I don't know so I kind of just I'm always open to seeing what's gonna what's gonna happen next so I don't know what's going to what's going to happen book wise, but um, hopefully the next thing that I publish will be the Beach Coming book, and um, we'll just see. Oh, I don't yeah. know about the fiction, yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad that you're enjoying what? the book. But if you if you don't have a copy of Storm, I'll be happy to send you a signed copy because I appreciate you having me on. Oh, thank you. Okay, yeah, because yeah, that's the one I don't have. What is, yeah, um, the third one. Tell me, Delta, we were talking. Okay, well, thank you. Thanks so you're much. If, um, and if you're listening, we got about 10 more minutes with Mary McCarthy, Mary T. McCarthy, uh, 646-716-9922, if you want to call in and talk with her. And let me ask you about this now, about the sea glass, because um, that fascinates me. And I love something to me, uh, going to the beach, to me, is just so, it's so restorative to the soul anyway. I agree. Uh, I agree. But what? 
what do you define as sea glass? What is is it is it glass that's I mean for somebody that doesn't know or maybe I don't really understand, is it is it glass that's just been in the sea and been softened over the time with the with the salt and the sand? Well, that's a beautiful definition, actually. Yeah, I mean, um, generally, sea glass is exactly what you just said. It's like broken, you know, glass from generally from, you know, bottles or um, different sources, tableware um, that has been, for one reason or another, ended up in the ocean, usually because it's been um, put there um, because it was trash at one point. Like, for example, some of the beaches that I search on um, or underwater like landfills like so trash sort of ended up in the ocean for one reason or another um, and it gets tumbled over time by the waves and then ends up on the shore so it's more the more smooth and rounded it is and um, frosted or finished or wave worn the more prized it is so um, over time you know it becomes more um, more polished and people collect it and it, it, oh gosh, that's a whole industry, right? I mean, the, the jewelry that's made from it and there are these festivals all oh, around yeah. the country. Yeah. That people um, go to and, and learn about the history of it. And um, the jewelry is so beautiful from it. I think if you look at my Instagram page, you can see some of the um, things that are made from it and um, the different pieces that, I mean, we, we all follow each other, like to see what people are finding around the world, which is so great just to see, like, if you look on the sea glass hashtag on Instagram, you can see the finds from around the world that people find anywhere from Tasmania, Australia, to Hawaii, to Japan, um, and anywhere in between. Um, so it's, it's so fascinating for us as beachcombers to follow what people are finding from different parts of the world. Um, and it's it's so interesting hey. to see the differences in, and also the pottery, not just glass, but pottery um, and other finds that people, um, you know, prize, like marbles and stoppers and figurines and all these amazing things that wash up on beaches. So it's really kind of an international community that comes together online, and we just really kind of, and the, the community of people are so special too. Everybody sends each other finds and there's these wonderful trades and, um, you know, there's like challenges on Sunday of like we all share, like if it's um, a certain like color day or we all share like gifted finds, there's always like themes. And I mean, it's just really a close knit community. So mm-hmm. it's really kind of a wonderful way to come together and share kind of what we find on our beaches around the world. So it's, it's very cool. It's a neat, it's a neat thing. Outside of just looking at it, you know, I don't, I'm really very ignorant uh, about sea glass. Is is a lot of it, um, does the color ever changed or uh, enhanced in any way because of, say, algae in the ocean or? Well, there's the, the color composition of the ocean. Different reasons, like there's there's um there's some glass that if it's made with certain chemicals, like that it may start out more clear, and then if there's like certain chemicals in it, like manganese, it can turn more purple over time. Um, there's glass that's ultraviolet, like if it's, it's Vaseline glass, it glows in the dark under black light. So there's all different kinds of um, colors that are prized for different reasons, um, and. You know, the different shorelines have different amounts of glass. Like, there's not as much glass in the south. Um, like, there's, like, not a lot of sea glass in um, the southern part of the United States, like, especially, like, in Florida. And so they don't find as much um, as they do in other parts of the country. Like, up in Maine, there's different coastlines where it's more easy to find based on – it has to kind of come from somewhere. So if there aren't as many sources in different mm-hmm. places. 
Um, so, you know, you kind of have to do some research to find out where to look for it. Um, and people travel, like, internationally to go to different places where they know they can find it and so forth. So, like, maybe getting a copy of that glassing magazine would be a good way or um, searching for articles online. There's whole websites dedicated to, like, telling you where to look for it and stuff like that. But um, industry-wide, people are um, definitely interested in kind of finding it. And then one other issue is that the, some of the beaches are disappearing because, different rising tidelines and coastal changes have caused changes in, you know, the, the beaches um, disappearing. Like if an area gets hard hit by hurricanes, it might not have the same beaches it did before and so forth and so on. So it's an interesting and changing industry for sure. I see that, you know, you you do speak at several um, events. Um, as I'm seeing here, let's see, on September 23rd, you'll be in Wilmington, Delaware, uh, for the yeah. North American Sea Glass Association? Right. Um, first, coming up on the 8th and 9th, I'll be in Santa Barbara, California for the um, Santa Barbara Sea Glass Festival. That's In the next six weeks, I have three Sea Glass um, conferences. And, and on the 8th and 9th, I'll be in Santa Barbara. And then on the 23rd and 24th, I will be in, in Wilmington, Delaware. And then after that, the first weekend in October, I will be up in Cape Cod for the Northeast Sea Glass Expo. And then next spring, I'll be in Buffalo for the um, the first Buffalo Sea Glass um, um, conference oh, up there. Okay. So there's, yeah, there's always a lot going on. But um, yeah, it's those are really wonderful conferences. I'm looking forward to speaking at all of them and seeing all the um, friends from around the community, around the country. So. Yeah, I have different topics that I'm speaking on. And if you go to my website, MaryTMcCarthy.com, it has more information about all the dates and details and stuff on those. Okay, because I've even seen you got so many posts on Facebook. See the one in October 7th and 8th, uh, 35 Scudder Avenue, Hyannis, Massachusetts, if you know where that is. Yes, um, that's right. And it's 10 to 4 on the 7th, 10 to, I mean, 10 to 5 on the 7th, 10 to 4 on the 8th. Um, and then, that's right. my, yeah, my there's Facebook so many great events. Yeah, your Facebook author page, uh, Mary T. McCarthy author, also uh, at Mary T. McCarthy author. Uh, You can also find her on Instagram and uh, Twitter, Facebook, everything. And also, um, I will be posting and sharing Mary T. McCarthy's social media addresses, whether it's Twitter or Instagram, Facebook, everything else, so that you can find her. Yes, I love this. This thing, Secret. If you haven't tried Secret, September would be a great month to check it out. Uh, <laughs> the theme is Spa Timber. Oh, cool, you have themes. The theme is Spa Timber. Yes. It includes jewelry and beauty products designed to pamper beach lovers. You don't mind me reading this, do you? Not at all. Are you kidding? I mean, commercials are People need welcome. to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great theme. It's a great cool. theme, September. What's your... It is. And it's perfect. Like I said, kids are back to school. Yeah, I almost need to kick back and relax a little. Oh, yeah, once you're part of the Madam Perry Salon family, yeah, we tell everybody about you. You Aww. can tell that from the beginning of the show. We tell everybody that is you're so in the sweet. family. Um, you have rock stars in your family. So, your family's like full of rock stars. So I was like, what the heck? Lena Ford. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 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 it's, an honor. it's an honor to be here. You know what? I can, 
Well, it's an honor to have you. You know, one thing I find, too, is, uh, and, and this is what I try to tell people, you know, starting off in, in writing or music or whatever, and again, you know, I'm telling them as a publicist, I'm saying, look, it's the big people. I can have, you know, have somebody starting off and get them on there and put them on. They will not promote for anything. That's why I have to be very careful. I mean, I want to have people on that I enjoy that I think other people will enjoy. But when it's people that are musicians, like, you know, like the guy that created the, the like I was talking about David Fishoff, he created Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. He created oh my the God. Ringo Starr Band. I want he to go to the, the show. Camp, by the way. show. Fun. Would that be fun? I'd like to go with you. Yeah, go. let's go. So, um, let's you go. know. He promoted it more than I did, or or uh, Chasm Sultan, who plays with uh, Joan. He plays bass for Joan Jett, Todd Rundgren, um, oh, cool. Celine Dion. You know, all kinds of people. He promoted it too. But but you know, it's the people. The bigger the people are, and you promoted. That's how you put it on Twitter. You put it on Facebook. You put it on Instagram. The people who you know, like you, that are successful. You know, you promoted as, as much or more than me. So see, folks, I'm testifying. You know, Mary T. McCarthy does it. David Fishoff does it. Lita Ford. I know when she's when we. Finally, you know we're we're going back and forth on dates with her, and when we finally get that settled, um, because she's on tour right now, then she'll promote it. So yeah, yeah, I knew you'd be in good company here. So um, I know you've been so generous with your time tonight, and I'm so grateful to you. Um, check out Mary T. McCarthy. Check her out on Facebook. Like I said, I'll be sharing all her social media and her websites. Uh, there is so much to this lady to learn and enjoy. And the Sea Glass Festival. Uh, there's a, what, in October 7th, remember, in Hyas, that's going to be uh, calling all mermaids and mermen. Uh, they have this mermaid festival um, in Asheville, I mean, uh, Mars, Marshall, North Carolina, which is near Asheville uh, in the summertime. I'm going to have to send you pictures of that. That is just it's a lot of homemade mermaid, mer, mer people costumes. Oh, Even that, dogs, cats, yeah. everything. Oh, wow. That's I fun. I love it. It's been, <laughs> it's been going on since the 50s every summer. But, oh, that's uh, fantastic. Yeah, it's and they're they're homemade, but to me that makes them even more enchanting because of the work that these people Absolutely. put into, you know, fixing up their trucks to be, you know, pools to carry the mermaid. It's just great. So, uh, Mary, thank you so much for being my guest. This has absolutely flown by. Uh, I'm for so me, grateful. and I Thank wish you for having the... me. Thank you so much. Oh, you're quite welcome. You are welcome back anytime. You want to come here and talk about sea glass or or, <laughs> or anything else you write, your blogs, anything else you do. You just don't wait for an invitation. Let us know. Yeah. And uh, grateful to have you here. Wish you much success in everything you do. And if you have any other. Um, Comments for the people. You can tell them here, put other thing. But you know, I'm going to end. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Very prima Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.